Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Why couldn't you do it right the first time? If I had a dime for every time that a coach had asked that to one of the teams that I was on, or even individually to me, I would have a nice collection of dimes, to say the least. Uh, and as I say that, I realize it really isn't something that I'm proud of, but I have to be honest and just admit that question has been asked quite a bit. And if I were to kind of take the overall amount of times that someone has had to ask me that question, well, that collection of dimes would turn into dollars very, very quickly. Uh, and I'm sure that all of you have probably had similar experiences in which someone has had to ask you that question. Why couldn't you do it right the first time? You know, some of my f most familiar memories with that question being asked, of course, are when I was growing up and my parents were asking me that question. And it seemed like it was about the smallest things, you know, um, like making my bed or uh, getting my clothes into the laundry basket and not just around the laundry basket or putting dishes in the dishwasher, not just putting them to soak in the sink. I mean, you get the picture. Why couldn't you do that right the first time? I mean, if you're a parent, you've probably asked that question numerous times. And well, if you've been on the receiving end of that question, uh, you know how I feel. And honestly, I've thought about what my parents must have felt like having to ask that question over and over again. I imagine that they got tired of asking it. And after a while, it was kind of just out of frustration and exhaustion that they had to keep asking this question. And I understand how they feel because as I've gotten older, I still find myself asking myself that question. And I get frustrated and tired, even with myself. Why couldn't I do that right the first time? Well, I wrestle with the reasons that I have to keep asking that question. I also realize that I'm not alone in messing things up the first time or plenty of times after that. And in fact... That's kind of what we hear about in our story this morning. Uh, although it's an excerpt from uh, somewhat of a larger story that we're going to kind of jump back and forth through, this morning's story opens up with a literal second chance. Uh, if you were following along in Jonah chapter 3, here's what verses 1 and 2 say of chapter 3. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying to him, Get up. Go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message I tell you. Right there in verse 1, Scripture tells us the word of the Lord had to come to Jonah for a second time. Uh, and just to be clear, it's not because the word of the Lord was wrong the first time or the word of the Lord needed to change. It's in fact because Jonah disregarded the word of the Lord. I mean, uh, if you look at Jonah chapter 1, here's what it says. It's almost uh, a word for word, exact same thing. Uh, here's what it says. Jonah chapter 1. The story begins like this. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, Go at once to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. So, uh, yes, there are a couple different nuances in, in the language, but... Generally, the message is the same. And in fact, if you look at that phrasing in the original Hebrew, the, the word of the Lord coming to Jonah, it's identical from chapters 1 and chapter 3. 
God, the word of the Lord coming to Jonah was the exact same word, telling him to proclaim this exact same message to the people of Nineveh. But we all know Jonah didn't do it right the first time. Jonah disregarded it. And of course, as the story goes, Jonah ends up in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights. And it's not until after he is thrown up on the land that he is finally going to follow God's word, that same word of the Lord that had appeared to him. Why couldn't he have done it right the first time? I found this question ringing in my ears as I thought about this story of Jonah as I read about it over and over again. And I, I know, you know, the, the saying goes, hindsight is twenty twenty. And so I'd like to believe that if Jonah would have known that he was going to get swallowed by a fish, well, then obviously he would have followed God's word the first time. I mean, that's just kind of the logical way things would have happened. And sure, Jonah didn't follow God's word the first time, but I know that all of you follow God's word the first time you receive it or the first time you read it or the first time you hear it. Just like uh, that's what I do too, right? I believe that I would follow God's word if it came to me the way it came to Jonah. You know, it's interesting. Uh, when I was on Vicarage in Denver, uh, the church would put on a musical, and uh, this was actually the last musical that they put on, and it was Jonah, A Whale of a Tale. And I was just a sailor in the musical, and hopefully clips of that never come out into the public. But that's for another sermon. Uh, I want to share with you the opening lines from the opening number of the musical. It went like this. It's the whale of a tale. It's a tale of a whale. It's the story of the deep blue sea about a fish and a man named Jonah who was a lot like you and me. That last phrase there really stands out for me and probably not in the way that we want it to. This man named Jonah who was a lot like you and me. Certainly, especially in this context, we do not want to be related to Jonah. We don't want to feel like, oh yeah, I can relate, I can understand. And yet, it becomes more and more clear that we are just like Jonah. That we share so many similarities because like Jonah, we disregard, word, we disregard God's word all the time. We don't do things right on the first time and that still happens in our lives even after seeing what God has done for us. And what's worse is the reasoning behind it. See, we don't find out the reasoning until Jonah chapter 4, but I'm going to expose that for you too this morning. As chapter 4 begins, Jonah is crying out to God in frustration and anger saying, God, I knew you were going to do this. That's why I didn't listen to you the first time. Jonah goes as far to say, God, I knew that you were merciful. I knew that you were abounding in steadfast love, slow to anger and relenting from disaster. So what Jonah is now admitting is that when the word of the Lord first came to him, the first time in chapter 1, Jonah not only disregarded God's word, but he disregarded it because he knew what God was going to do. He knew what would happen if he told other people about God's word and how God would respond. See, as far as Jonah is concerned, he doesn't want to see God work. He doesn't want to see what God is going to do to the people of Nineveh. Jonah doesn't want God to forgive those people. Those people who have sinned against God. 
those people who have broken God's commandments, those people who are morally repugnant and broken, those people, they don't deserve this kind of forgiveness. They've done too many wrongs to make anything right. They've caused too much hurt and brought about too much pain. Those people are just unworthy. They haven't suffered any consequences for what they've done. I'm not going to tell them about God, His mercy, and His grace. I know what God's going to do. This is how Jonah feels about the people of Nineveh. I'm sure that there are people that this is how you feel about too. You know how God is going to respond. And that's why it's so hard sometimes to even understand who God is and why he is the way he is and what he does for us. See, because Jonah finally proclaims that message to those people. In chapter 3, as you heard in our reading, he goes and he tells them to repent or your kingdom will be struck down. And immediately they go and repent. They sit in their sackcloth and their ashes and all the way from the king on down, all the animals of the land, they repent. Literally in hopes that God would not bring disaster upon them. And this is what God does. In verse 10 of chapter 3, when God saw what the people of Nineveh had done, when God saw their repentance, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. Jonah knew how God was going to respond when he told these people, and if they repented. He didn't know that they were going to repent, but he knew that if they repented, which is what they did, he knew how God was going to respond to that repentance. He didn't want those people to receive the forgiveness that he had been shown. See, in Jonah's mind, they weren't deserving of it, and yet, Jonah himself is just like them. Uh, Sure, the sins themselves may be differently, but before God, Jonah is a sinner, just like the people of Nineveh, just like me and you. That when we stand before God on our own, uh, we are sinners, unworthy of His mercy and His forgiveness and His grace. But thanks be to God that God is who He says He is. Thanks be to God that Jonah knew how God was going to respond. That God was going to be merciful and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Thanks be to God that he shows his mercy to the people of Nineveh. Thanks be to God that he shows his mercy even to Jonah. That even in the midst of Jonah's blindness towards these people, God shows him his great mercy. Thanks be to God that even when we're blinded by our feelings about what we think others deserve, God is gracious and merciful to them and to us. That he is faithful to his promises. Promises to be slow to anger, to be gracious and merciful, to abound in steadfast love and relent from disaster. Thanks be to God 
that we don't have to ask that same question about God. We'll never ask the question, why didn't you do it right the first time? Because Jesus did. Jesus did it right the first time. And God in Jesus fulfilled all righteousness. He fulfilled God's word perfectly. Even as we heard just a few weeks ago in his baptism, he fulfills all righteousness. One time for all people. In his life, in his death, he fulfills God's word perfectly. In his resurrection, he fulfills God's word perfectly. In his promise to return, he continues to fulfill God's word perfectly. Right here and right now, God's mercy and grace is perfectly fulfilled in Jesus for me and for you. In the same way it was for the people of Nineveh and even for Jonah. That God's will and God's work is shown to us in Jesus once and for all. For all of us. This whale of a tale that is the story of Jonah shows us how similar we are to Jonah. It shows us that we have uh, these feelings towards others that we don't want them to receive what God has freely given to us and at the same time. It shows us how faithful God is, even to those of us who are least deserving of his mercy and his grace. That his promises are that when we repent, he shows us that mercy every single time. Thanks be to God for his unending mercy, his transforming grace, his abundant and his steadfast love. His love that is so perfect that is shown to us even when we don't do things right the first time. Thanks be to God that his love for us is so great that even in the midst of all the failures we may experience, he calls us back to him every time. That like the people of Nineveh, when we repent, even though we may sit in our sackcloth and ashes, God redeems us through Jesus, that he picks us up, he clothes us in his robes of righteousness, he makes us whole and new and complete in Jesus. Thanks be to God that he is who he says he is. Thanks be to God for his perfect love for me and for you, shown to us each and every day and into eternity because of Jesus who has done things perfectly once and for all, for me and for you. Let us therefore not withhold this great mercy, but let us go and share this mercy with others. Because they need to hear it just like we do. That God is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. That he took it all upon the cross in Jesus, and this is who God is. In his perfect love, he shines that love upon you, so that you may go and share it with others. Thanks be to God, church, that God is who he said he is. He is faithful to us always, and his love is forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.